Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay. Thanks so much to our guests for joining us today. My guest today is going to tell us a bit about um, her story with her dad and her family. So if you would please tell us just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, my name is Erin Thornberry, formerly Erin Noseworthy. That's my maiden name. Uh, I'm a mom, uh, for, first and foremost, of two beautiful boys. Uh, one is five and one is a year and a half. Um, I currently reside outside of Boston, but have lived in a variety of places. And my husband is from the South, um, but I'm originally from Atlantic City, New Jersey. That's where I grew up outside of Atlantic City, New Jersey. Um, and I am the child of uh, someone who immigrated from Ireland. Um, and then my father's family is also of Irish descent. So um, an Irish Catholic family, <laughs> I guess you could say, living in New Jersey. And um, I also am an educator. So I work in higher ed uh, training faculty, developing online courses, um, but started out actually in the arts and somehow migrated into higher ed and technology. Yeah. It's like you start thinking you're going to do something else and you realize, wait a minute, how do I get over here? But yeah, it's where you want to be and you're happy with it. Fantastic. So Mm -hmm. thank you. Um, So tell us a little bit about your dad, um, maybe family experience, you know, kind of the story that you want to share with us. Yeah. So my dad, and I feel like this is um, kind of stereotypical, but my dad was one of those larger than life personalities. He was the you know focal point of the parties he could talk to anybody he told oh he was such a great storyteller and just could make anybody laugh um there are so many things about my dad that even as a child I wanted to emulate his ability his he was just really outgoing he was very generous um could talk to anybody uh, just really kind, giving person. Um, but he had his he had his demons. He was, um, which I didn't recognize until I was much older. Um, even after what happened, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, he was an alcoholic. I don't know if it was all of my life. I actually don't know um, when it got really bad. Um, my family we're social drinkers, you know, I don't want to equate that with being Irish. That's not really fair, but, um, we're definitely, uh, love to be together, love to party, um, love to have a reason to celebrate. And it usually includes alcohol of some kind. So it was always something that was part of our life. Um, but then, you know, reflecting back on it, I remember he was, he was my softball coach. He was my basketball coach. He was my soccer coach. Um, he was my biggest fan in everything that I did. Um, I could really do no wrong. Um, but I thinking back on some of those experiences, I remember whispers of, you know, people on my team saying certain things and me just not really connecting the dots until much later. It was probably college that I started to realize like, 
I was away from home in college and I would come home and be like, oh, this is a problem. This is getting bad. Um, but then looking back on other moments in my childhood, realizing like it's been a problem for a while actually. And that was kind of a shadow throughout. Um, but he was really uh, very loved by the whole family. Um, and yeah, just kind of like the focal point for a lot of our family events. He was Santa at our Christmas party. So um, that's the kind of person he was. He loved family and he really instilled in me values that I still hold very closely today. I think um, having had alcoholic parents myself, I think one of the stigmas that happen is we don't talk about that elephant in the room, right? So mm -hmm. um, growing up, of course, I'm, I'm older than you are, but growing up, um, you know, we never talked about it. And I remember even as an adult, um, I made a comment one time to my stepmom about my father being an alcoholic, which he was from the time he woke up to the time he, he went to bed, he was drunk all the time. Um, and I remember her telling me she was like shocked and, 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 and upset with me that I, that I said that. And I thought, Oh, I, I, I'm speaking like, okay, it's snowing outside. I mean, it's, to me, it's so obvious, it's obvious and it was, yeah. we just don't talk about. So I, I think that's probably sounds like some somewhere there where, you know, especially if they're high functioning, right. It's like, you can still take a job, have a job and, you know, do these sport things or whatever, but um, yeah. 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 But, I remember. And he, you know, he commuted really far for work. He worked very hard. He commuted really far for work. Um, he did, you know, all the maintenance of our house and our cars. He was just like, he was a very intelligent person. Um, you know, he could teach himself anything. Uh, so he, you know, ended up just being kind of like Mr. Fix-It around the house and then just worked really hard uh, to support his family. And so, um, you know, I, I, it, it was something that he kept hidden um, for sure. But I have since learned that um, he was not the only one. You know, there were other members of my family who I spent time with who also potentially had uh you know an issue with alcohol um and it is you know something that is still I think goes unsaid we still my family still interacts the same way today um not that I would want them to be any other way but um you know it was never something that is as you were saying like talked about openly is um it's like, it's like a hidden you know yeah. secret, if you will you know and, and especially if they're I mean your dad sounds like he had uh, nicer features than some other alcoholics I know where it's like, you know, really there's not a lot of, of positive, but um, yeah, still they're not talking about it. doesn't help anybody whatsoever. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did, he did have a temper for sure, but I think that those were things that other people didn't necessarily see, you know, there was the parties with everybody and the family get togethers and he you know, all the, th all the wonderful things that I've already said, but then there was the times at home. And I remember, uh, I remember even from a really little girl trying to ensure that nothing would get, make him angry. Um, you know, if there was something, oh, he can't find the remote. Mm. Let me figure out where the remote is or, oh my gosh, she's trying to make spaghetti and we might be out of sauce. What could we do? You know, trying to problem solve to make sure that that person didn't come out. Um, 
Yep. You know, it's just something that you don't really recognize. That's just how my life was. It wasn't something that I recognized later as like, oh, he probably, you know, if he didn't have, if he hadn't been drinking, he probably wouldn't have had that kind. Maybe he, maybe he would have, I don't know. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a temper that I made every effort to try to avoid and ended up being, you know, a very, um, hard worker myself, I guess. Yeah. That's what your norm. So what eventually happened with your dad? Um, so I was away at college and I think I mentioned, you know, I would, I rarely came home from college. I spent summers away. Um, I would come home for the occasional holiday. I think I came home for the first summer, uh, and it, had gotten obviously really bad. I remember being in the car with him um, shortly after I started college and I forget where we were driving, but he, uh, he had a a plastic cup of some kind in, in the uh, cup holder in the car and me having been away at college. I'm like, that is completely full of alcohol, like hard alcohol. Um, I don't know if it's vodka or what it is, but it is a giant, plastic cup full of alcohol and he's driving he won't let me drive um so that had gotten really bad and uh every evening it just seemed like I was arguing with him my mom was arguing with him there it was just really unpleasant environment to be in and so I didn't come home very often um and my family has a big party every uh, summer that we call the cousins party where all of the cousins get together up in uh, New York and uh, it's a weekend long event and um, I had always gone my whole life and uh, the last couple times I've gone you know it's it's just a full-on you know drinking marathon all weekend long and uh, I was just tired of it like I, you know I had members of the family. It was mostly like a male dominated party. And I had always gone because I was the daughter and, you know, got my mom would go and I would get drug along. And I just decided, you know what? I'm not going this year. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like dealing with it. I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, and the family got together. Um, and apparently my dad started fights with everyone um that weekend which I think is fairly common um for this particular situation uh and the weekend went really poorly for everyone I came home he had a big fight with my brother I have a younger brother who's about uh he's about three and a half years younger than me uh he was 16 at the time I was 20 and uh they all came home from the weekend um, everybody was just not getting along. And, uh, my mom woke up in the morning and my dad wasn't in bed and she couldn't find him in the house. He hadn't, you know, wasn't sleeping on the couch. Um, and I believe she went looking for him and went into the garage and found him on the floor of the garage. And, um, I believe she, you know, he, he was cold, but, um, she went over, 
uh, she was trying, he's a big man. She was trying to turn him over. She wasn't able to. So she called, I was away. My, she called my brother and uh, he came down and they were trying to turn him over and figure out what happened. And uh, he had passed and uh, they called 911 and they came and they, they uh, checked it out. And uh, he had actually hung himself in the garage um I think he used an electrical cable to hang himself from the rafters of our garage um I think you know one of the biggest things that just breaks my heart is my brother being there and me not being there with them still to this day is really difficult for me to think about him having to find my dad like that um I I got a call later that day from my aunt, one of my aunts telling me that my dad had passed. And um, I remember that phone call vividly. My um, boyfriend at the time was at my apartment. Uh, I was in State College, Pennsylvania. So I was about four hours away from home at the time. Um, we were planning on going on a trip. We were going to go camping. And uh my phone rang a couple times and I just ignored it. I was sleeping in on a Saturday. I think it was a Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember what, no, it must've been a Monday because they had been at the cousin's party. Um, but I didn't, I was there for summer. I didn't really have classes over the summer. So um, I kind of ignored it a couple times. Then finally like, oh, somebody is really trying to get a hold of me. Uh, so I answered the phone. It was my aunt and she asked if anybody else was there. Uh, for her to talk to if Mike was there was my uh, boyfriend at the time and I just sort of handed her him the phone not really thinking about it and then you know as he is talking I realize uh oh there's something wrong there's something really seriously wrong and my immediate thought was my brother he was kind of struggling at the time um with school and and other uh other issues and so I thought oh my god something's happened to my brother uh so I was you know just kind of waiting for him to get off the phone and he I, I feel for him he had to tell me actually that my father had passed um and I just remember just screaming it was so unexpected I, I could not believe that he was gone it just didn't seem possible um and then I had to drive four hours home you know to to find out what had happened and uh I didn't have any information at the time you know he I I knew that he was found at home and um so the whole ride home I'm like what could have possibly happened I don't understand you know I, I, I can't imagine what could have happened. Um, and I got home and I, I honestly don't even remember what I was told because I'm sure there were some people who didn't tell me, but my mom had always been honest and I'm pretty sure she told me what happened. Um, but I, for whatever reason, 
I could not accept that that was what had happened. And I began this long process of denying that that is what had actually happened. It sounds terrible now. And I'm like, (laughs) I have a hard time even sharing this with people, but my dad had, you know, he had this thing that he would always do like, oh, you don't let jokingly, you don't love me. You don't love me. Uh, I love you so much. You don't love me. And, uh, you know, like, oh, dad, whatever, whatever. And then, you know, he would say, I'm just going to go out to the garage and I'm going to kill myself. I mean, he would say he had literally said that to me. And so when so you don't say that to your kid and then actually do it, you know, was just like, I could not with the cognitive dissonance, it was just like, I could not fathom someone that he would do this to me. I knew he was struggling, but um, he sounds arrogant, but he loved me too much to do this. He would not do this to us. Um, So I just didn't believe it. And it was seven years before I would admit that that is what he actually did. So you you use the term "do this to me." Um, I yeah. know in my work with with survivors of suicide that there's kind of a mixed group where there are some. Um, I'm thinking of a, a colleague of mine whose son committed suicide, and and I think one of her coping mechanisms is to think that you know his depression and so on that he was doing. He thought he was doing her a favor, so she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She's never, she says she's never been angry with him. She's never blamed him. Whereas there are others who said, um, you know, well, they did this to me. I mean, he 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 left me. He chose to those types of things, um, which again can be, I think, really difficult because you're you're not only grieving the loss of someone you know you cared about, you've known your whole life, um, but to have their death be, you know, something they caused, right? With, no matter what's going on in their head, but they actually caused that. They they did that final thing, so. Um, seven years, did anybody in your family during that time talk about it? Or was this just something that nobody talked about? My mom, my mom always tried to get me to talk about it. And she, she did require me to go to therapy. I went to therapy, you know, at the end of the, I spent the whole, the rest of the summer at home, obviously after that happened. Um, and I had actually decided I wasn't going to go back to school. Um, I was entering my last year um of college at the time and um I was like I can't possibly leave I can't leave my mom I can't leave my brother um but she convinced me to go back um and then she also required that I see a therapist while I was there um so she always tried to kind of break through and you know get me to understand that that's what I that it is what actually happened and that I needed to come to grips with it. And I remember telling her, mom, what does it matter? I'm surviving. What does it matter? What I think if I can get through, does it really matter? Um, and it does, it does matter. Yeah. Cause it, uh, you know, it, it, it eats you up inside. Well, at least it ate me up inside it. Um, over the course of the next couple of years, I stayed with the same person when I probably shouldn't have stayed with them, that college boyfriend. I think I just needed somebody. 
Um, and he had his own traumas from um, his youth that he didn't talk about. So I didn't have to talk about mine. Um, we had kind of that mutual understanding, I think, and um, unspoken understanding of each other. Um, but I ended up cheating on him with a much older man um, who was actually connected to my work at the time. So potentially um, put myself in danger of losing my job. I lost my relationship. I was unable to, you know, talk to anyone about what had actually my dad, what had actually happened with my dad what was happening in my relationship, what was happening at work. It just became everything was, you know, something that I tried to process internally. Uh, so I lost friends because I didn't, I wasn't able to be honest or truthful with them and connect with them on the level that you need to, to sustain, you know, any kind of relationship. So, um, you know, I, I actually, the, 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 this person that I was dating from college, we eloped, we were supposed to get, we got engaged formally. Everybody knew we were engaged and then we were supposed to, you know, have a big wedding, but we eloped instead. And then we were going to plan a wedding. And then we never actually got married because I started cheating on him with this other person and then broke that off and had to admit to at least my mom that I had eloped. So just things completely I, I mean, I guess they are in my character. I did them, but, you know, not things that brought me joy or make me proud at all. Um, but it was this person that I was um, having an affair with that I don't remember how it came up. Uh, he had his own issues, <laughs> um, but, you know, he asked me about my family. He asked me about my dad and I just said, uh, yeah, he took his life. And just like I, that was something that I had told everybody all the time. Um, and in fact, it was the first time that I had ever said it aloud to anybody. Um, and it, that was sort of the darkest point in my life because every, everything around me was crumbling, but it was also kind of like, oh, this huge exhale of all of this stuff that had been building up inside um and it was just and it was almost like stream of con you know it wasn't something that I consciously did it just came out and um that was sort of the turning point for how my approach to losing my dad um and it wasn't something that it was like the next day I woke up and I was okay with everything or anything like that but it was sort of like okay now I can actually start to process um what had actually happened instead of um sharing this story that just you know it wasn't it wasn't true so yeah so from that point on is when you were actually able to you know admit to that to people as well as to yourself um is that was that kind of was the turning point yeah and I I remember consciously thinking um it's hard uh, it's hard to tell people um that someone has taken their life 
Um, and I remember, um, I think I had actually shortly after that, I, I went to, um, um, suicide support group session. Um, and I just kind of sat in the background. I didn't really share. Um, but I remember people talking about, um, a lot of it, it's embedded in the way it's embedded in our culture. Like, you know, as, um, I, I'm not practicing Catholic, but I grew up Irish Catholic. It's a sin. Uh, it's considered a sin, you know, I, in many, many places you can't be buried in a proper cemetery if you, this is, you know, have done this and um, it, you know, why do we say commit suicide when, you know, you commit crimes, you don't, is it a crime? This, and it, and, you know, and in the Catholic church, I, I guess it is, but, you know, it's, it's embedded in the way we, we we talk about it um so I remember being in the support group and then you know talking about this and me feeling like yes gosh why is it so hard for me to tell people what happened why do I feel so much I don't shame isn't the right term um because I'm not ashamed of what my dad did but um it's almost like, it's almost, maybe fear is better. Um, and so, you know, I started to make a conscious effort to, as hard as it is to tell people, if it comes up, just say it. Let yourself, free yourself of this burden. It is not yours you know, whatever their perspective is on it, that's their, that's their burden. It's not yours. So, um, I decided I'm going to change the way I talk about it. And I, if it comes up, I'm just gonna let it out. <laughs> and so, you know, I've died by suicide, died by, died of depression. Um, I've really tried not to say committed suicide. Um, just from my own sort of thinking, uh, thinking it through. And I, you know, and I remember people it coming up in conversations. Oh, because I was young, I was 20 when it happened. So people realizing that, you know, I didn't have one of my parents. Oh, what happened? And just saying he died by suicide and having people actually tell me, Oh, you, I wish you wouldn't have told me that. Um, and that's part of it, you know, it's, I, my background is like, I am conflict averse. Um, as a child, I was a pleaser. It was really important to me not to upset my parents. And so it is something that I continue to struggle with to, you know, tell people things that could potentially upset them. Um, but I realized for my own mental health, I have to say what actually happened um, and it's too, I'm sorry if that offends you, but that is, it shouldn't, <laughs> I realize that it might, it shouldn't, um, but I have to say it for my own yeah. health. Yeah, so, no, yeah. I, I completely understand, understand exactly what you're saying there. So um, as you think back to, especially those, those seven years from the time dad died to when you could actually, 
you know, say it and admit it. Um, what do you think, you know, if you were talking to that person, you know, your, your former self, your younger self, um, what, I mean, you were already in therapy. Sounds like mom had you in therapy. So what do you think could have helped you, could have gotten you through, you know, to that spot of starting to heal without having those, you know, seven years of what I think kind of sounds like limbo. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure that there's anything that could have changed it, but I'm trying to change it for my kids. Um, my eldest who's five already knows that his grandfather isn't here, uh, that he died of an illness. Um, so I'm starting, I'm trying to have those conversations earlier with him um because I think it is so important for us to change the the perception of suicide um to bring it you know as I you know mentioned to you um in our email correspondence to bring it out of the shadows um it should be something that we can all talk openly about and I think that that's the only way that we can also um, stop it from happening to more people. Um, you know, that's my greatest fear is this is not something that my alcoholism, alcoholism isn't something that my dad chose. Um, he was medicating himself because he was probably suffering from some mental illness that he didn't feel he could talk openly about or seek help for. And I don't ever want my children to think that there's anything wrong with them if they're depressed. You know, there's there's um, multiple ways that we can help people who struggle with mental, mental illness. Um, and so we have to talk about it differently. We have to talk about it often. We have to talk about it um, openly. Um, so that there is no shame involved in it. I don't think there was any way, you know, maybe it could have been a shorter period of time, but I don't think there was any way that I could have had a different reaction. Um, because it's still not something that my family's able to talk about. Uh, that men get depressed. Yes. Yes. No, I just think like the rest of us do. Very cultural. And yeah. there is nothing wrong with getting help for that. Yeah. So uh, question for you when you, again, I'm going to go back to where you said, you know, he, he did this to me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I, do you feel like you have forgiven him for that? Or can you look at um, his, his, obviously depression, mental illness, whatever. I mean, I, I don't think a person who doesn't have those things gets to that point um, where you can kind of focus on that and say, well, this is what it was. It wasn't something that was <clears throat> to me, right? It wasn't that he didn't love me or didn't want to be with me. Yeah, no, I definitely don't see this as something that he did to me anymore. I um, have no ill will towards him whatsoever. Um, I just find it incredibly, incredibly sad um, that he 
was in so much pain that this was the only option that he saw. Yeah. And I don't think that there's anything that could have in the moment been done to stop it. So I don't, I also don't feel any guilt um, because I don't think there was anything I could do or another member of my family could have done um, at that point. Um, but it is still incredibly sad to think about that he was so alone and felt so alone in those final moments that he didn't see any other way out of it. Um, yeah. No, I, I completely understand what you're saying. I completely understand that. I, I think for me, after my um, first husband took his own life, I was angry. I was really, really angry. How can he do this to me? And how can he do this to my children? Right. Mm -hmm. That was very, very angry. Um, and then it did take me quite some time not to admit that he'd taken his life, but to um, realize that it was, you know, again, what you just said, a lot of pain. And um, then I felt like, wow, how I, I'm almost being selfish by being angry because this person was in so much pain. And um, that was something I had to get over in my my spot with that. And it, it took me a while, um, but I did finally get there. So is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about, you know, your, your situation, you know, what you would, I know, I know you're a proponent for speaking up about, you know, mental illness and suicide and so on. And I, I think that's um, admirable. I think we all need to do more of that. So is there anything else you'd like to share though? I would just like people to recognize how common it is. I don't think people realize until it happens to them or in their own sphere how incredibly common suicide is yeah um it is it it's everywhere if you look it is everywhere and since happening to me I know of many many other instances even within my own sphere um where it has happened um so it's not something that happens to you know alcoholics or drug yeah. addicts or yeah. you know um it yeah, it's it a potential social, end for any of us it's not just one socioeconomic class or yeah. ethnicity or whatever it's, it crosses all all mm -hmm. all borders i do want you to know that when this podcast posts that we will be posting information on um you know phone numbers and so on for people who are feeling depressed and and, and feeling like they might um, harm themselves so um, that is something we, we're going to do. It is my belief that we should all have that information um, handy, you know, not that all of us would get to the point of being, you know, depressed uh, or despondent to, to have that, but to also feel comfortable having that conversation with our colleagues, you know, our family, our children. I love that you're talking with your kids, even at a young age, because, um, you know, if you hide it from them, it'll be still be that shadow secret thing that's um, you know, makes it uh, shameful, dirty, whatever term you want to use, yeah. which really is not good, especially for our, our young people. So thank you yeah. for doing that. Yeah. I mean, you go to the doctor, you tell them if your parent has had cancer, you should be telling them if your parent has died by suicide. Yeah. And I want my boys to be able to share that information openly. So if something happens to them along the course of their lives, they can get the help that they need. Yeah. Well, good for you. Thank you so much, Erin. I really appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of the book, The Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival. You can find the book on Amazon and Kindle.